Hello, Robbie. Can you hear me? I can. I was uh, in the midst of pausing the scripture I was listening to. It. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought I thought it might pause automatically when I dialed out, like it does when I somebody dials in. Oh no! It's a <laughs> Actually, I think it picks up again after it connects. Well, I'm recalling that I actually do have to uh, pause it anyway. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, can I ask what scripture you were listening to? Well, I'm just listening through Matthew um, each day, or most days, uh, at least a part of it. I just start at the beginning, go to the end, different translations. <clears throat> and this group that I'm uh, kind of guiding into, um, a daily morning tradition of prayer and scripture, is reading through Matthew at uh, 545 each morning, uh, a chapter a day or so. We go around the group. Right. Is this the same farm group we discussed last time? Yeah, and uh, then we use your flow afternoon to uh, just prompt a brief discussion before we close in prayer and they get into their day. Mm-hmm. So we do that, do that so, in about 15 minutes. It's working pretty well. Cool. So I've been, um, I was kind of hoping to follow up on this mosaic comment from last time, but, you know, we don't have to publish this podcast if there's anything else on your heart that you wanted to talk through. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fine. I uh, <laughs> I remember thinking when you used the word mosaic that it drew me to the art term about you know putting pieces together, but you had some other meaning that I don't doesn't come immediately to mind. So remind me what you yeah, mean well, mosaic. mosaic as in Moses. Oh right, right, right. Okay, Moses. Yes, good. The mosaic law, and and so yeah, okay. so, but that that made my mind spin about this um i mean the phrase and the if i had put this in the official rather than an ad hoc meeting i would have entitled it mosaic fragments mosaic fragments okay yeah so there is a fragment part of part of this yeah all right and 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 specifically the thing that i'm i've, I've been grappling with uh, i was wrestling with this uh last night uh because of a conversation i had with my wife which i may or may not get into but is that ideally the law is supposed to bring unity, right? The idea is that, you know, we're all under one law, under the same law. And once we know what that law is, that logos, that system, that creates a sense of unity because we're all following the same rules. We all feel psychologically safe because everyone else follows the same rules. Um, and yet we seem to be in this, listening to various people talking about their anxieties about the current world. And I realized that, you know, in some ways, the challenge we're facing is that the laws we have, the laws we have are actually dividing us. So um, the very first, like, the, I missed a sorry. key word at the beginning of this. I was hoping from the context to pick it up, but I missed it. You started off saying the law something and then you were expounding on that i never figured out what it was you were saying at the beginning ah, of the sorry. law no no, no worries the laws, the, the laws we have laws we have our laws um you know is that like you know arguing about like uh you know uh is that originally the law was supposed to bring unity 
Okay, law is supposed to bring you right. in. Right, but we're in this place now where our laws, the common system we share, actually seems to be dividing us. Did you use the and word log? Law, L-A-W. L-A-W, law. The law becomes law? Is that the phrase that you... Went back no, to I'm saying the, the law that was meant to unite us somehow uh-huh. is the source of our division. Okay, so that's a thesis. The law that's is a the source of... A, a, a source of our division or the source of our division? I, I, I'm probably going to go with the claim that it's the source of our division. All right. And this is related to our concept of, you know, is corruption endemic to civilization? Uh-huh. So it's probably even stronger. Uh, and like, this is something I'm wrestling with in, in the micro, which is that um, I've been, maybe I'll get into this now, is I was, uh, I, I heard a preacher who I really respected and looked up to, and he made uh, a claim uh, that Elijah, uh, after he met Jezebel, never did another miracle. And that's right. why we needed Jehu to, I hope we discussed this before, we need a Jehu. We need to, we need the Jehu spirit to destroy the works of the evil one because Elijah is not strong enough. Mm. And uh, and when I looked and, and you know I took that at face value. I thought that was very profound. But when I went back and looked at scripture, it, like it literally was not true. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Elijah yeah. did several miracles after that, and which makes yeah. me question the whole Jehu spirit of. And the thing is, it's not like that's wrong. I mean, God did anoint Jehu to do something, uh, right. you know, to destroy the, the works of Jezebel. But Jehu did not turn the hearts of Israel to worship God. Right? He destroyed evil, but he didn't bring people into a relationship with the living God. Right. His, his he only lasted four generations because he didn't uh, bring the people right. back. Yeah. Yeah. And... And and the thing that I was grappling with is that I run into this a lot, and I'm still trying to find the language for it, is that there's people who are angry that the law is broken. And it is absolutely appropriate to be angry that the law is broken, right? Because the law right. is good, and, you know, it was given for our protection and whatever. The problem is, is, is that the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. Which is again one of these Bible verses that is very, very obvious and very plain, and yet it feels like there's a lot of Christianity that is, or Christendom, to use another term, uh, which is like, which is like, hey, we are here to defend. I mean, there's, there's even a movement I think that like we were, our purpose here is to defend the law. This is the great tradition that God put us on our to defend the law, and therefore we are being good Christians if we uphold the law and mm-hmm. that we fight, you know, you know, to, to do that. And it's like, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not why Christ died. He died to fulfill mm-hmm. the law, but not to uphold the law. And that subtle distinction seems very, and this is what I mean by, it feels like the law is actually the thing that divides us now. 
is that our allegiance to the law is actually getting in the way of allegiance to Christ, of falling in love with Jesus, and living a life of grace. And so that's the, this is the mosaic fragments, is that, you know, you know, originally I saw the Mosaic Law as this beautiful, seamless thing, you know, like a, like an Apple product machined out of a single piece of aluminum that would hold everything together. And now it feels like, you know, what we think of as the law is actually all these little fragments that, you know, I have my law or my interpretation of what God's law is, and I get angry at you because you just perfect that. And then we get stuck in these cycles. And this feels to me like it's something I'm personally dealing with in a number of, of close relationships. And okay. it feels like I see it playing out in the macro scale with all the various political controversies. And anyway, I'm not saying I know what the alternative is. I'm just saying that's the reality I'm emotionally grappling, grappling with at the moment. Okay. <clears throat> um, uh, the, the flow acronym pops into mind because refer, referencing that daily. Um, sure. I'm not sure what I'm feeling about this. Uh, or what I like my observation though is that uh, I, or maybe the the wonder that popped into my mind, maybe go to that, is uh, this may be an accurate framing. Um, is it a helpful framing for me? Because it, it's different. It, it, it's going to take some work for me to process how this uh, you know framework that you're developing in your mind relates to what I'm experiencing in my day-to-day life. Mm. I'm not sure I see very easily uh, how to see my life in your in that framework. Uh, so that's uh, that's a, both an observation and a wonder of is it mm-hmm. then is it helpful for me to make that effort uh, beyond just as a friend, you know, giving you a, an opportunity to process this through on your own. Um, I, as you, uh, as you say, the law, I mean, as I, as I experience that phrase, uh, or how did you say it? The law is what divides us or that's not. The what law that said, was meant to unite us ends up dividing us. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's a that's a catchy, memorable statement. <laughs> except I couldn't remember it. But uh, the way you phrased it now uh, seems a little clearer even than what I heard earlier. So the law that was meant to unite us uh, ends up dividing us. Is that close yeah. to what you just said? Yeah, um, that's pretty close. It's not identical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we could. So okay, sorry. Yeah. So we could wander down. Uh, I could just get wrap my mind around uh, trying to process this and get it. See, but I wanted to give you those first reactions. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate that, and, and I thank you. I think uh, and just a, a suggestion: you could go back to the story of your friend running the farm and this tension between right. the world he's trying to create and his difficult his challenges in getting people to. Uh, to stay and, and commit long-term to that vision in a way that you're comfortable with. Um, right. But that, that was the only thought I had. You're welcome to keep processing in other ways. Yeah. Well, um, so what I'm 
I've been thinking about, we're trying to create, uh, I've, I've referred to it until today as a pattern, but I'm, I'm shifting to the word tradition. Um, mm. so we're creating a tradition on the farm that's open to the spirits leading and, you know, but it has enough familiarity that people can be comfortable with it and not living in the uh, tension of wondering, you know, what are we doing different today? Um, because there's a familiarity of expectation. So it's a, a, it's a yeah, rhythm. That's another good word. Uh, but I like this. Tra- I like the word tradition because uh, I think of mm-hmm. the um, you know the Jewish traditions of celebrating the feasts and the uh, Sabbath and the uh, Passover and all that. Um, and so ours is fairly simple, um, and I think it I think it is significant that the leader of the movement and I get together for 15 minutes beforehand. We start at 5:30 in the morning to. Uh, just catch up and pray. And then mm. as the in- interns start to show up, because we're supposed to start at 545, because there's something to join, it, and we don't run into the American pattern of people drifting in over the first 15 minutes. Um, they're all pretty much there promptly at 545 now, two weeks into this. Mm. So that's that's been good. That's great. And then, and then uh, I've been... Tending to, I'm trying to shift from Theo and I being the leaders, me being the leader, to others, to everybody sharing that leadership role on a rotating basis toward being equipped, competent, and confident to carry this elsewhere. And also to Mm. remove me, because as an engineer, I tend to be constantly wanting to tweak and try different things. without without a uh, high sensitivity to how other people feel about that right and so in yeah no I, situ- I relate my home situation um the what i'm i'm told uh there's a uh a fatigue around the sense of me trying things out that i want everybody else in the world to share and it feels to the family, as I'm told, that they feel like I'm experimenting on them rather than caring about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I I wanted to, with this group, I want to, uh, I was talking with Theo this morning, and we'll continue this week about um, seeing how we could rotate and give people permission, uh, first of, to follow the pattern, but also themselves to adjust it to what they think the spirit's leading or would be more helpful to the group or more comfortable or whatever. Um, but the pattern or the rhythm or the tradition so far as um, I, in the last couple of days I've asked somebody, one of the interns, I've said, somebody start us at 545 to transition from talking with Theo to as people are sitting down. Um, Theo okay. said, uh, Robin, if he suggested that somebody specific, would you like to pray? And I think that's more helpful than my broadcast, somebody and mm-hmm. wait for a volunteer. Um, right. And then, uh, then Theo had been starting the reading each day, and I suggested that we not have it be him every day. Uh, so today I picked somebody from that had concluded yesterday with a, a wonder and 
I said, did you have a thought on that, you know, through the day, or would you just start us in the reading? Um, so I think to pick somebody to pray and then pick somebody to the the facilitator, and now we're talking about the facilitator role, rotating. Right, distributing the leadership, distri- you know, passing the mic around, as it were. Yeah. So there are two there are two things. One is the facilitator role, which rotates for the day, um, or we we you know invite somebody to be the facilitator the next day, and then mm-hmm. within the within the that tradition, the facilitator would pick somebody to open in prayer, pick somebody to start the reading, and then we just read around clockwise a section right. at a time as often the particular version that we're using, and then. Um, Pick somebody to so then we take a minute and a half or so to uh, reflect and invite Jesus to speak to us out of what we've read, and um, uh, pick somebody to when they feel like the, you know we're ready to to lead us to conclude that reflecting time with prayer. So mm-hmm. I've got um, uh, and then um, we go around with the flow. And just say, you know, who who has something they felt like observed or wondered, and uh, mm. that that I think starts fine with a volunteer. At least that's been my. I don't feel pressure to to mm. pick somebody, that. but then to call on different other people who haven't spoken up and say, you know, do you have a thought on or saying you know, something that came to you if they hadn't mm-hmm. already, if it doesn't just flow into that into everybody. And then with the last person, ask them after they've shared whatever they have to conclude with prayer. So that's our little rhythm, and it's fitting well with four or five people into 15 minutes. And uh, yeah, rich enough. Wow, that's, yeah. I think, yeah, it's interesting. I, like, I can imagine other modalities, but uh, and actually this is the tension, that you know you could do it in a more decentralized, distributed fashion, but the the difficulty then is keeping it on track to 15 minutes. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, yesterday we were a little beyond, but today we were pretty close. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, they, don't, they don't have a hard stop, but uh, I want to be respectful of the time. Although Theo, right, Theo yeah. has already said we might, we might want to go to 25 minutes at some point just so we've got a little more time to interact and as the group gets larger. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, the other word that was running through my head was norm. An ORM, as opposed to tradition or ritual, a norm is establishing a norm, uh, uh-huh. and also the idea of normal. You know, this is this is the normal behavior here. It doesn't mean that it's the only possible way right. to do things, or the only right way to do things. But this is the normal way to do things. Uh, it, allows and, uh, uh, it more invites exceptions than the word tradition, right? Right, and norm tradition. is like literally, uh, yeah. Tradition feels more yeah. like a law you have to follow, and people can get upset if it's violated. Where norm seems like, okay, we we generally do this, but we're open to alternatives. Right, and in fact, the word norm almost invites the idea of an exception. Right, we can talk about normal life right. versus exceptional life. Um, yeah, yeah. And and what's interesting, I was reading my actually my uh, quiet time this day, or my devotional today was on this idea of anomie. Uh, which is the emotion you experience when you when you lose uh, a sense of social norms. What was the word? 
Anomi. A N O M I E. Okay, I hadn't run across uh, it, that word. Yeah, it yeah. literally uh, means lawlessness. Uh, uh-huh. Actually, it's it's actually uh, Christians because one of the sees that because we're the law. Sorry, you still there? Yeah, this is my audio. Uh-huh. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes, it's interesting. One of the, I think it's a heresy called antinomianism, which is the okay. idea that because we are under grace, therefore we need no law, and the law is irrelevant. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's certainly aspects of American culture which are very antinomian. Right. Um, um, and what's funny is that, you know, the Christians who, uh, you know, uh, uh, I get amused and I'm trying to be amused rather than offended that when Christians say, well, you know, the problem with this culture is that people don't respect authority. And then the other problem is that the government's doing the wrong thing and we should disobey them. And it's like, (laughs) I'm not, you know, there's this weird dichotomy. It's like, you know, I can see both points. But I'm not sure if you see at least the tension or the paradox or possibly the irony in holding both of those positions simultaneously, right? Uh, You know, and the, uh, and you know, and this is a, this is the tension I'm living in, right? Is that you want, you do need norms, right? Mm -hmm. And and you need to have exceptions to those norms. But if you have too many exceptions, then the norms fall apart. Right. And this is, uh, yeah, so I guess the, um, anyway, I didn't mean, uh, if I need to wrap up in like five or eight minutes or so, um, I had a couple of thoughts and questions if this is a good time. Uh, well, one, just one quick thing that I wanted to, so I've sure. got an acronym for our, our norm, which is pray, read, ask Jesus. And then I don't have a good word for the why, but you're a good uh, uh, yield is what's used in one other context I'm aware of, yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit for the day. Um, and if you come up with a better why for that, what we discuss, discussed is going through the flow and then wrapping up in prayer, um, I'd be interested, but uh, we can go on to whatever if you don't have an immediate
and the group's expectations for them. Mm-hmm. And right, and the way to frame that is that there is a um, uh, an ex- so, and another way to think of expectations, and this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but it's sort of the internal norm, right? A norm. There's at least a tight coupling between norms and expectations, right? This is what's normal. Therefore, this is what I can expect. Right. Right. And, you know, I realize it's like if, if things are in a normal state, then I, I can flow. I know what to expect. Um, and therefore, I can make plans. Therefore, I can make estimates. Therefore, I can make commitments. Right. right. If things are normal. I can say I will commit to be part of this group. I will commit to ship this product on time. I will commit to obey these rules. Right? That's what it right. means to have a normal environment. And the, the, and the reason I have conflict with people is there's two things. One is there's things that are truly exceptional that happen, like, you know, right. uh, acts of God, right, as they say in insurance forms, you know, that none of us especially are predicted. But then the second type of conflict is when my norms, my expectations conflict with yours. Right. I mean, this has been my week at work. It's like, okay, well, I thought you would have this document done on time. Well, I have it done. Well, okay, but that's not what I meant. Well, it's what you said, and we have these cycles. It's like, okay, now we have language for it. Okay, we need to throw an exception because mm-hmm. clearly our norms or expectations were not aligned with reality or each other. And so mm-hmm. the hypothesis is that the reason there's a retention challenge is the internal norms that people have of their sense of what is appropriate, expected, right, are in conflict, or they're not aligned. That may be a more generous way of putting it. There's a misalignment between what I expect of you and what you expect of me and what you think I should expect of you. Right, like just thinking about the norm in your family. And so the idea is that, this is why Jesus told us we need to take up our cross daily. Mm-hmm. Is that it's precisely these internal norms that give us a sense of stability, security, anchoring, uh, that allow us to make and keep commitments. Those are precisely the things that divide us. Right. And. So- are we equipped? Yeah, if we can quit the tradition of surrendering, yeah, just to finish the sentence, right? And that's why this idea of yielding and surrendering, if you can make a norm out of surrendering your norms, then there's nothing that can stop us. So I'll just stop there. That's what I think. But yeah, I'll, I'll reflect on that further. Um, so the. Yeah, the communication of expectations that, that and the processing, the working through, the hearing out, and respecting, uh, seeking some. Uh, so the, the the question or wonder I have is, um, I get, it arises from a, a perception that it's not healthy to simply try and. Um, renounce my own expectations to support the expectations of others, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, to dine to myself 
to me evokes the idea of um, giving up my own expectations, bearing to my expectations. But that doesn't seem uh, like the healthy um, step. And so we maybe we could process that another time when you got more time. Right. But the short answer, I think, which is an easy one, is that doing that for other people can easily be unhealthy. I would right. argue that doing that to Jesus is the whole point of being a Christian. Yeah. Okay. I get it, Jesus. I give everyone and everything to you. Back to the John. Right. And, I, and, I, and I think that's the norm, is that we use information from our conflicts and others and from uh -huh. other positive things as well to what is the thing that Jesus is inviting me to surrender to him? Yeah. Right. And yeah. if we hear that from Jesus, then it's up to, you know, it's between me and Jesus when I surrender. But what I have discovered, right, is that if I, if others see me surrendering to Jesus, then yeah. they are inspired to ask that question of what they need to surrender. And that's how we build a healthy culture, right? Uh -huh. Is that we don't try to resolve our two-way conflicts between ourselves, but we bring right. those conflicts to Jesus, and then we each ask Jesus what he wants us to surrender. And I have to go first, right? I have to model the thing I want other people to do, because I really want other people to surrender their norms so that I can be able to easier life. But that's... Right that's not taking up my cross and yeah. so anyway this is helpful right. i have to think about how it relates to the law uh, dividing us but at least uh, uh, yeah but, but the, this what i mean is like the, yeah the norm that i want you to respect of mine is the law that divides us right okay is, is my, that, yeah anyway but, but you can process it more right. and you know feel free to text me if you have any thoughts before our next conversation all right. Thanks for the call. Bless you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.